0: WXDXFM Pittsburgh.
1: The time has come for someone to put his
2: foot down. And that foot is me.
1: Now apparently that foot belongs to a 19-year-old intern from the University of Maryland at USA Today. Yeah, she wrote a story that's getting a ton of attention. It was written over the weekend and happened to see it before we got on the air today. The author in question, like I said, is actually a student, according to what I've been able to find, Hannah Yasharoff at the University of Maryland. And she wrote an opinion piece about National Lampoon's Animal House, which celebrates its 40th anniversary this month. In fact, it actually occurred the release on Saturday. So Animal House as she opines is a movie that might not be okay to like in the Me Too era, the post Me Too era which we are in. If I'm not allowed to like Animal House, then I don't want to be in any era because that movie spans eras for me. When did that movie come out? But I was 3, I That was further ago than the Pirates World series I was just talking about with Parada. This is a classic edition of... Don't you think we're taking life a little too seriously here? Don't you think at some point or another you just need to get drunk and... Bang a guitar off a stairwell? Because I think that's what old Hannah needs to do here. She kind of goes scene by scene... And analyzes everything that's wrong with the movie... As it would be presented today that's exactly my reaction when I read her column she says this isn't a movie to be taken seriously but that's an issue when in and of itself it comes to toxic young male culture toxic young male culture yeah at its best and also let's take the word into literal effect here its most lampoonish if you really have to take seriously animal house then you know what i think the me too movement has worked because i guess we've solved all the world's real problems so now we have to go back to faber college and solve all of theirs from 40 years ago i'm not even going to go down that path yeah i think she refers to that as sexual assault somewhere along the way in this column here's how here's how it wraps up by today's standards animal house would have a tough time getting greenlit by any studio and would face inevitable wrath on Twitter if it did. That doesn't necessarily mean that we need to ban this movie from being watched ever again, but we do need to become more mindful about the entertainment we consume and be especially cognizant of what it's telling us about acceptable social behaviors. For now, we'll just put Animal House on double secret probation. Yeah, she could use a beer and relax. 412-333-9939. It's like, it's a 700-word piece, in essence saying, times have changed, and we can't make stuff today that we used to be able to make. You could have written this same piece in the 70s about movies that were made in the 40s. Of course that's the case. But whatever happened to common sense and a line of demarcation between real life and entertainment. Just because you laugh at something on TV doesn't mean you're endorsing the behavior of what takes place in the movie. And how have we lost track of that exactly? No, seriously, because this kind of goes back to the issue that we talked about in the 3 o'clock hour with the Major League Baseball tweets, with Trey Turner and Newcomb and Hayter These guys all getting caught up and now being shamed on Twitter because they're being deemed politically incorrect. Isn't there a differentiation between the fake reality that is social media and what somebody is really like in person and who they are now versus what they used to be? What Animal House used to be is no longer a representation of how we really think in 2018. It's anachronistic just like those tweets are from those baseball players who are now trying to vilify just because we feel like it makes us feel more important. Like we're making a social impact statement here. Like again, seriously, I I still want somebody to tell me what the social merit is of going back through five-year-old tweets to make someone feel bad about what they did before they realized they were supposed to be held to a higher standard. And that's, Kind of the same thing here with this Animal House story, isn't it? We're trying to hold a movie 40 years old to the standards that we have reached educationally in 2018 as opposed to 1978. And if we do that, I think that just makes us dumber. How about you? You can also tweet me at Tim Benz PGH. All right, on to the Steelers. And um, I, I sort of referenced this when I was on for Mark a little bit when I was live at training camp at St. Vincent College because I was in the press box at the time and I was overlooking the practice field and Antonio Brown made this ridiculous catch and the crowd was going crazy and there was a mob scene for autographs for him and the fans were just going nuts along the rope line and it sort of struck me at that point that A.B. through all of his maybe public missteps has somehow not lost the fan base in the way that Le'Veon Bell has. And I kind of like to get some Steeler fan reaction to that as to why, like what is it about a B that you see, even though he's done everything he's done in the public light, which is, you know, celebrate excessively, put himself at jeopardy for not being on the field for the blue cleats, you know, uh, the Facebook live incident after Kansas city, Throwing the water cooler in Baltimore, yapping at Landry Jones three years ago, the social media meltdown before minicamp. How has he not lost you personality wise despite all of that? 412 333 9939. Because it appears to me that Le'Veon Bell has. And maybe the better way to ask the question is can Bell still be what Brown is? Can Levy on Bell still be what Brown is? Which people, you know, roll your eyes, kind of cock your head and say, well, that's just A, B, B, and A, B. Can Lev Bell be that or has he ruined it for you? Is he just a mercenary at this point for you? Because I think that's how some fans view him. You know, Bell has committed different social missteps, he's made himself into a victim. He said no to lots and lots of money and made you feel like the fifty grand that you make is so unimportant because $14 million to him is unimportant. He also made himself unavailable because he got himself suspended due to the marijuana incident. Well, actually, two of them, I should say. And Brown has never done that. But can Bell at least be back in your eyes in some good graces like A.B. has gotten himself back into? Let's go to Dave and Sewickley. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X.
2: Hey, how's it going, man? Good. Hey, uh, just a quick comment. I know you just brought it up, um, but the whole thing with A.B. And, and Bell, I think it just comes down to the fact that A.B., to my knowledge, has never been suspended. I don't think he has. Is that uh, is it
1: literally just the suspension element, or is it also how he handled himself in the negotiations yeah, for his I was new just deal? Gonna
2: say, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you know, other than him never being suspended, he shows up every year for camp. He doesn't, you know, make a huge deal, but when he's there, he's there to work, and it shows. And I don't know. I, I feel like uh, when it comes down to it, he's just much more business. Yeah. And okay. I think people around here respect that.
1: Dave, I'll go back to your point about him not showing up, and, and some people still erroneously call what's going on with Bell a holdout. It's not a holdout because he doesn't have a contract. And thanks for the call. But I do believe that if brown had ever gotten into a contractual situation like bell had then he would have done what bell did which is not go to camp but it's how he handled himself during the negotiations and finding a number that makes sense to stay with his team and he decided to do it that's the rub that's the difference between him and bell there gary and wexford you're on 105.9 the x
2: hey tim hi um I think uh, a lot of it just boils down to basically an old Richard Pryor bit where you try to keep your woman until you find out you can't keep her, and then you tell her, fine, I didn't want you anyway. Yeah,
1: but I none of that's, that's funny exactly anymore because it's on. 2018 and you're not allowed to laugh at Richard Pryor jokes, just like Animal oh. House. Weren't you just listening?
2: I'm, I was listening, but I'm definitely going to laugh because I was going to talk <laughs> about Animal House too. But <laughs>
1: Okay, what do you want to say about Animal House?
2: I think we're turning into the actual plot of Demolition Man.
1: Yeah, we might be there, but also not allowed to watch Demolition Man either anymore. Too violent. Probably not. Um, you know what's funny about this? You know what movie is actually getting made this summer? Thanks for the call, Gary. What movie is actually getting made this summer? I think it's this summer. Uh, maybe coming out this fall. It's Fahrenheit 451, where they burned all the books. Is it out? Oh, is it out already? Oh, it's on HBO. Oh, it went right to HBO. Yeah, it's the same thinking, right? It, oh, the movie sucked. It wasn't as good as the book. So burn the movie, but not the book. I'm very bad. We'll have to get Mr. Flicks on to review Fahrenheit 451. Kevin calling from the car. Hi, Kevin. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X.
2: Hey, two things. Hey, um, Brown gets a lot of way with a lot of things because it's a um, wide receiver diva mentality. It's always been that way in the NFL. We've always respected the you know the diva personality of the wide receiver. As you're running backs are basically workmen and they just keep your mouth shut and do what you're supposed to. And as far as Animal House, who's ever not wanted to go to a toga party? Thank you.
1: I guess they don't have those at the University of Maryland. Let's get to at least one more here. Adam calling from the Parkway. Hi, Adam.
2: Hey, good afternoon.
1: What's happening, Adam?
2: Hey, I was calling uh, the uh, the Bell and, Le- or Bell and Brown. Yeah. Um, I think that Bell has just outstayed his welcome. His usefulness is no longer. Uh, he's no longer useful to the Steelers and therefore to Pittsburgh. Whereas we know that Brown's going to be here. He's not going anywhere anytime soon so it's it's easy to sort of distance yourself from brown at this point he's just like i said distance yourself from
1: bell you mean right yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah i don't know if he's outstayed his usefulness because he still was a very useful running back last year and he will be a useful running back again this season thanks adam but uh i think that if what you're saying is emotionally we've allowed ourselves to be detached for him because we see the reality of the franchise tag no longer being able to be used. They could next year, but it's going to be, what, like $21 million or something like this? The fact that he has gotten to free agency, or at least will, at the end of this season, that's where the detachment comes in more so than how useful he is. I still think he's going to be a 1,200-yard back when it comes to just rushing, and then maybe another 600 to 700 yards receiving, maybe even more this year if he gets back into the passing game more quickly. I still see him being very useful in that context, emotionally useful for us. That's what, what you're saying may come more into play. Matt Williamson coming up, playing more on Brown and Bell, too. Matt will join us from La Trobe here on 105.9 The X.
2: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popular as this one. Yeah, double M, man. would hey, love the show. He just wants to dance. The X at 105.9.
1: 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. We're going to hear from Mark in the 5 o'clock hour. Joining us right now, he is our football guru. It's Matt Williamson. You can hear Matt on the Steelers Radio Network on ESPN Pittsburgh as well. You'll hear him with me doing a camp show or two throughout the next couple of weeks out in Latrobe. Matt, are you in Latrobe right now?
2: I am in the car driving back to Upper St. Clair, but I just left. And then Wednesday, I basically move in full-time.
1: Yeah, you should probably chopper back and forth like A.B. if you're going from upper St. Clair to Latrobe because you, you can't get there from here at this time of day.
2: No, I think it's a good call. The chopper would be very handy right now.
1: Okay, Matt, I'm going to spring this one on you totally out of the blue, because I just happened to see it on Deadspin while I was surfing the internet before you came on. But I, I need to ask this before we dive into real football matters here, okay? Uh, this is a little graph. Like, you could do analytics on anything now, I guess, but... They actually did analytical research on fans who leave games early and fans who have great regrets for seeing their hometown team do something spectacular in the stadium. Okay. And, and they actually did analytical research. Like, for instance, a baseball game. There's a 95% chance that your team will lose if they are down by four runs or more in the sixth inning, right? So do you have, whether what is baseball or not, football, baseball, a fan experience... Where you walked out pissed off at your favorite team, only to get out of the arena and find out that they ended up winning the game after you left.
2: Wow! I, I wish I had a Goodwill Hunting story for you. You know. Yeah, exactly. exactly that's exactly it. Right? The Goodwill
1: Hunting story. Like he, I, sl- I slid the ticket across the bar, and Carlton Fisk hit the home run.
2: I had to see somebody. I got to see about a girl.
1: Right. Exactly. So you don't have one of those, huh?
2: I don't. I'm sitting here straining my noodle, trying my cranium, trying to find something. But
1: I don't have I don't one think. as a fan, but I can tell you one. I never saw Jerome Bettis fumble. Oh, wow. Against the Colts, because I was I walking I down at the old yeah, building yeah. Uh, for the Colts, and I had to get downstairs to the media room, and I thought the game was over. And then I saw this horde of Indianapolis blue-clad fans pushing their way back into the RCA Dome to watch the rest of the game because – they all kept yelling. I didn't even know this till after the game. Willie Parker fumbled. Willie Parker fumbled. I can't believe Willie Parker fumbled. Of course it wasn't Willie Parker. It was Benis. <laughs> and so I missed it. Like, I was 10 minutes deep into that before I even realized what happened.
2: That's like Mr. Rooney in the Immaculate Reception, too. Right. Yeah, he was that, going
1: down the one. elevator.
2: Yeah, I, I don't have one. I apologize. But I've been to plenty of games, a lot of pen action. You know, I think I saw everything I needed to see. <laughs>
1: You're a lucky man. <laughs> what are we going to see from the Steelers this year? What did you see today, maybe, is a more pertinent question. Anything? Uh, well, I guess did, Were you able to watch? Did the tarp come off in time before you left, or what?
2: No, I, I don't have any input for today. They were done when I got there at noon and were starting when I left at 3.15. So I don't have any news breaking, but um, the, the, the rain had subsided and it looked like they were ready to roll.
1: You know, I read somewhere, I think, Bob pointed this out to me on Twitter as we were bringing him on during the commercial break that James Conner busted off a long run for the Steelers once the tarp did come off. So that's encouraging for any Steeler fan to get some glimmer of hope for one of the backup running backs. Uh, even though Le'Veon Bell may not have had the season that he had the year before, Matt, how dramatic do you see the dip between what his productivity could be and what Ridley or Conner could give them?
2: Yeah, and I do think Bell is a... Starting to decline, you know that's his. Uh, I, I just read an article comparing him and Gurley, you know, talking about their their contract situations and all that. Where pretty much praising the Steelers for handling them the way they did, and you know, you compare the two of them over the last couple of years, and their Gurley's going up, and I think Bell's going down. That being said, I mean, there's still, I think, a massive gap between him, Ridley, Samuels, you know, Connor. Uh, the number two situation worries me. I mean, I, I think that will be one of the storylines for sure in the preseason. You know, I think this will be the preseason of Mason Rudolph. We'll be talking about that like crazy. But it really might be the preseason of James Conner, too. I'd like to see him get a heavy workload over those four games and hold up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are wooed by the notion of Jalen Samuels being a great third-down back, and he might be a nice option, but at the same time, by his own admission, Matt, he isn't great when it comes to pass blocking because he was detached so much and uh, not in the backfield to help on blitz pickup. That's going to be foreign to him once he tries it for the Steelers.
2: Yeah, and talking to some people up there, I guess he really it didn't look so great doing backs on backers, you know, which I can understand. He didn't pass block in the ACC. Asking him to pass block in the NFL on day one probably is not going to go well. And it's funny, I've had some new thoughts on him, though, is obviously protection needs to come. and But he has the work ethic and the body to, to make that happen. I mean, that's a try-hard area of his game. However, it's going to be sort of a jack-of-all-trades, and I compared him to Kyle Yuschek, you know, who's listed as a fullback, but does everything. So, here's my question to you, is if the Steelers, for two series a game, or one series a game, come out with Bell, Samuels, and three other players, you know, two receivers and a tight end, or three receivers, how would you play that as a defense? You know, to me, that's really interesting, is, if you look at from a defensive perspective and say, okay, that's 21 per
1: I think we lost Denver. Matt. You want to try to get Matt back there, Bob? All right, try to get Matt back. But, no, I'll, I'll answer his question. I, I think it is I think it is very difficult to do. I think it's difficult to match up. I, I, do we have Matt back and established? Okay, Matt, I, I think I'll answer your question. Yeah, I here. heard
2: you there the whole time. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I just went a dead zone problem.
1: Yeah, I think I would answer your question by saying, I would leave Jalen Samuels alone and hope he doesn't kill me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, right, right.
1: But as far as deploying your personnel, yeah, it's problematic.
2: Yeah, where I would go with that is if you come out in what they would call 21 personnel and your defense is playing its base 3-4 or 4-3, Ben should immediately check to empty. And then all of a sudden you have five really good receiving threats out there and there's no way they're going to be able to cover those guys. And if they happen to look at that personnel and they play it with an extra defensive back on the field, then trot Rosie Nix out for Samuel, you know. So you know, this, this whole theory of positionless football, and we talk about it a lot on defense, but it also applies here too. That it, by putting him on the field, you can learn a lot with how the defense is going to, you know, employ, you know, how they count him.
1: Matt, I know that AB is recruiting Des Bryant on Twitter to the Steelers. I don't think they need to add another elephant under the big top. Give me your opinion on that from a mixed standpoint, but also tactically. Do they really need the help at wide receiver? Are they going to be okay with Washington and maybe the emergence of Vance McDonald?
2: Yeah, I'm very high on McDonald. Uh, he was my breakout player. I did a series of picking a breakout player on every team. McDonald was my stealer. I'm also really high on Washington, and he looked very, very good in mini camps and all those things. So that, that's encouraging. I don't think you can overlook that they did resign Eli Rogers and he's played quite a few snaps here. And yes, he's just a slot guy, but uh, you know, he, he has value. Um, I would, in the perfect world, a guy with Dez's body type would be wonderful. I mean, a big physical type receiver, particularly in the red zone, but boy, he's declining too. I mean, separation is really hard for him to come by anymore Um People didn't fear him. He rarely drew extra coverage. And I think that's kind of all you need to know. I mean, as a complimentary piece, sure, he could still help you. But I don't know that it's worth, you know, adding another one on the big top, like you said.
1: As far as the personalities go, I spent a little time discussing this with some callers before you came on, and that's the Antonio Brown, Lev Bell dynamic. For as nutty as Bell can be, excuse me, as Brown can be, he doesn't seem to have lost the tangible quality with the fan base that Bell has. I feel like Bell has really done some damage by making himself unavailable, not only during training camp, but also at times during games with the suspensions. That seems to have eroded any hope he has of getting the fans back in his back pocket, whereas Brown has sidestepped that despite some, uh, I would say, public flirtation with controversy. He hasn't quite gotten to major controversy status, but he's somehow managed to avoid that.
2: Yeah, and being the best receiver in the league probably hurts, or probably doesn't hurt. Um, I don't, I gotta be honest though. I mean, I don't know why Bell is disliked, or public enemy number one, or frowned upon. I mean, he gives it all when he's out there. It's not a lack of effort. The things he's done, quote, off the field, I mean, they're not massive criminal things. You know, I mean, okay, he smoked a little weed with LeGarrett Blunt one time. I mean, that doesn't mean he's a bad guy. And, would anyone out there do everything they could not to maximize their earning power? I mean, I I, I think he's kind of getting the short end of the stick from Steeler Nation.
1: I'll say this, though, Matt. I think it's the way he's presented the negotiations, making himself mm-hmm. in a victim. The sort of, and... Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm a target. Uh, you know, this whole thing, you know, that tweet that came out, they're trying to paint me as a villain. I'm just trying to be a hero. Uh, I think the way that he's dismissed or been dismissive of – The idea of playing for $13 million and making it seem like a pittance, uh, I think that's what's rubbed people the wrong way. Beyond just the absence. I can't argue with that. Yeah, I I think it's the attitude towards the money. And like, As I just pointed out, Brown eventually got to a a number that he thought was fair enough to stay on a team that's competitive as opposed to Bell, who I think is just looking for every last dollar.
2: Yeah, but I don't blame him for that. But I do think your point's valid about how he's handled it through social media and rapping about it and that is a turnoff i I just happen to from where i sit i ignore all that so uh, i'm probably in the minority obviously
1: last thing here um according to your usual partner dale Lally, Artie burns now has his groin wrapped in ice there have been quite a few injuries already in the early stages of camp and they're talking about hitting more in this camp than they have in years past is that a concern matt
2: Not so much, but it does seem like through a couple practices so far, there's a lot of guys that are dinged. Talking to Dale, you know, Foster, Ramon Foster is really the only one that he expects to miss significant time. Looks like they dodged a bullet with him in terms of, you know, could have been out for the year type of thing, and Vance McDonald's not as bad as people think. Um, I'm curious because there's a couple ways to look at this. Is I've really praised Tomlin for – getting everyone to the starting line as healthy as possible. And I think he's really gone out of his way to do that the last couple training camps. That being said, maybe the biggest weakness on this team last year was tackling. You know, they were a very poor – by some metrics I wrote read, they were the worst tackling defense in the league. And although it was only a couple guys that were responsible for that, and some of those guys have been replaced – how else do you get better tackling? I mean, I think that's going to be something we hear over and over and over from defensive players is we've got to tackle better. I'm sure the defensive staff is stressing that like crazy, so I guess you've got to go live a little bit more.
1: Matt, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us, and I expect a text from you in no less than 10 minutes saying, oh, I remember the game I walked out on. I know it'll hit you at some point. <laughs>
2: right.
1: Thanks, Matt. All right, man. Take care. That is Matt Williamson from snr as well as uh his own williamsonfootball.com make sure you check out williamsonfootball.com and uh he'll be part of the 970 broadcast throughout the course of training camp on our am partner out in latrobe i can i could be dippy for a segment here on that can i i'll throw that out there, there there's got to be a especially a penguin game right this dead spin metric that's been put out there for the percentage of fans or the percentage of likelihood for fans bailing on their own team when they're about to lose a game. And then you get home and you realize, what did I just do? I missed the greatest comeback in sports history. That has to have, like, there have to be people out here that, I don't know, missed the comeback against the Browns in, in Heinz Field in 2002. There have to be people out here that. Missed the Penguins coming back in the playoffs somewhere along the way. I don't know. know. How about the Chicago game where Yager scored the amazing goal in Game 1 against the Blackhawks in 1992? Something like that. There has to be a game that fits this metric. 4-1-2, 3-3-3, WXDX. I'll think of it. I'll find one during the commercial break. And uh, we're also before the top of the hour. If you missed the roast of Bruce Willis on Comedy Central last night, there were some sports-related and 105.9 The X music-related references that have to be played. Bob and I will have those for you before we hit 5 o'clock here on The X.
2: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 105.9.
1: Okay, I figured it out. I was very productive during that commercial break. Did a lot of math. Actually, I just guessed a lot, but when I was talking about Matt Williamson, I just found this deadspin story about what's your greatest sports regret. And this basically is a way to translate into the time that you left your hometown team. You were at the game. You walked out of the stadium pissed off because you looked like your hopes had been dashed. Your team was going to lose a big game, and they came back and won. And they actually came up with a graph. The, like an analytic graph of fan disappointment and how fan disappointment would hurt you like if your team was trailing by four runs in the sixth or later in any Major League Baseball game, that's a 95% chance that your team is going to lose. So I kinda, I, this is what I came up with, and you tell me if this fits because I think it does. An equivalent to that would probably be a three-goal lead at the 10-minute mark in the third of a hockey game A three-score lead to start the fourth quarter of a football game. And at the under-8 TV timeout in a basketball game, 15 points or more. College basketball game for Pitt. You know what's funny is I Googled. I just just put this in the Google bar. It said, Pitt, Panther, basketball, comeback. And a hit return, hoping to, like, jar my memory. Like, give me one that fit that description. And it was eight stories in a row Will Pitt fans come back now that Kevin Stallings is gone? <laughs> <laughs> Completely different result from what I was looking for, but that, in- that really entertained me. Um, so I was wrong about the 92 game, though, the comeback against the Blackhawks. They were down 4-1 after, and like midway through the uh, second period, and then they started their comeback. They got a goal before the period broke, so it was only 4-2. Going into that game. The game won nineteen ninety one against the Chicago Blackhawks. So that doesn't quite qualify, but it feels like it should be close enough, doesn't it? 99-39. three three three, ninety nine, thirty nine. Let's go to Ryan in South Fayette. Hi Ryan, go ahead. You're on one oh five nine the X.
2: Hey Tim, how you doing? Good. So I got two and I'm notorious for this. Your, your topic just hit hit a home run with me. I was I'm a Penn State season ticket holder. And I was at the Michigan game. I believe it was Hackenberg's freshman year. Um, I don't know. Three minutes left. They weren't doing anything. We left, and Hackenberg drives the field, and wins the game with no time left.
1: Okay, so it doesn't actually fit the uh, major big point deficit comeback, but it was what was it, a one score game, two score game. It what was might it? Have
2: been? I, I can't remember. It's been it's been a while. But two years ago, I was at Ohio State. Block punt return for a touchdown to win the game. Yeah, that uh, one just maybe, looked
1: like it was totally bleak, and it was just never going to happen.
2: Uh, yeah, we—I mean, they were doing nothing. We we got out of there, stopped the sheets on the way out of State College, and watched the punt block uh, from the TV in the sheets, and just buried my head and said, "Not again." You've Got to be kidding me!
1: I got to be blocking. It. Thanks for the call, Ryan. I just—I I cannot think of a three-goal third-period comeback in the playoffs for the Penguins. Was there one against the Capitals in that series? I'm just going to assume it happened against the Capitals before this year. David is calling from Washington. Hi, David. You're on 105.9 The X.
2: Tim, hey, I was at the Penn State-Ohio State game also, and I walked out. They were down by 21, and we listened to the game. I heard the punt on the way home, and uh, we were at uh, Sheets and 17th Street in Altoona when they won. And it was an 8 o'clock game. I had to work at 5 o'clock the next morning, and, I looked at my friends and left, and I haven't admitted to anybody that I left that game early besides those two.
1: I think Bob and I just had the same thought there. This is the first time that we've been in an X studio together where Sheets was referenced, and there was no bad Jeff Reed joke afterwards, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's go to David, who's calling next from the north side. David, you're on 105.9 The X. How
2: you doing, Tim? Hey. Uh, You know, I can't remember the exact year, but I'm pretty sure this basketball team came back against... Jim Boeheim's Syracuse team in Syracuse when they were down something like 10 or 12 points in the final two minutes. Uh,
1: Was that the game where was that the game where someone shot an air ball over the rim and somebody put it back over Carmelo Anthony? Is that the one you're talking about? I think so. I know that we had a point guard and I'm
2: sorry, I can't remember his name, but he...
1: There was a game, yes, there was a game where Pitt had, sorry, Syracuse had just like won 13 in a row or something like that. They were about to become number one and then right. Pitt beat them or they had been number one for a day. That's what it was. They had become number one for a day and then Pitt beat them. Yes, absolutely. That did happen. That's one that I blocked out of my mind, much like the punch. Hi, man. Let's go to Josh who's calling from Butler. Hi, Josh.
2: Hey, how are you doing, Deb? Good. I remember back, I think it was like 2006 season, the Pirates were awful, like normal. But um, the Pirates were losing to the Cardinals like 5-0. Oh, yeah, the and, McCutcheon
1: comeback one. That's a good one.
2: Yeah, and they came back and won 6-5 in like the 10th or 11th inning. And we had left around the 5th or 6th inning when they were down. And we we're like, that, that, they're never going to come back from this. We might as well just go enjoy the day.
1: Well, the other and, one was the uh, Memorial Day game. And your phone's feeding back. I got to let you go. But the other one was the Memorial Day game where Brian Giles hit the homer against the Astros. That was like a ten-run comeback or something crazy like that against Billy Wagner, if I remember right. It was a holiday. I just remember Lanny losing his mind. It actually looked at the Pirates. That that might have been the 2002 season where they ended up dismantling it right at the trade deadline. But that's another one that comes to mind. There, I'll get one more in on this. Chris calling from Homestead. Hi, Chris. Hey, Tim.
2: It's calling about that uh, missed game thing. So. 2003 pit Virginia Tech at Heinz Field. Um, I think it was a game where Walt Harris kept running illegal snaps on, on field goals and extra points.
1: Oh, no, the swinging gate, the swinging gate was against Texas A&M.
2: No, this was definitely Virginia Tech, but, um, Anyway, walked out. They were down three scores in the fourth quarter. And came back to win.
1: Oh no, I remember that game. Yeah, that was that might have been the week after the swinging gate. But yeah, there's that run there where Virginia Tech was really good year in year out, and they always lost to Pitt for whatever reason. Pitt just had their number. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. that game. That they, they that might have fit the category actually. They might have been down. I have to look that one up, but they might have been down by three scores in the fourth quarter. I think you might be yeah. right on that one.
2: I remember.
1: I'm gonna double check that. Bob's gotta have one of these. And plus we also I, I got a break. I, I know I gotta leave some people behind here on this, but uh we have to get to some of these clips from the uh Bruce Willis Comedy Central Roast. Believe it or not, there were refer- there were some sports references in the Comedy Central Roast last night that are worth playing, and there was at least one 10590X music related jab. Eh, I could say jab. A Shot is probably a little bit more accurate. A shot that was thrown out there. We'll do that when we come back. Tim Benson for Mark Madden.
2: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popcorn as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. X at 1059.
1: Tim the Bob McLaughlin here as well, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, Bob, would you like to contribute the game that you missed out on according to this deadspin graph of fan disappointment? Well, I'm sure that there's a number
0: of pit A, basketball, B, football games that, well... Maybe not a number of them. We are talking comeback here, right?
1: Yes, positive. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Um, I was trying to find that West Virginia one that that guy. Sorry, that Virginia Tech one that the guy was talking about, and I found a couple big pit wins, and I was remembering the same ones he was. But I th- there's no indication of how many they were down when they came back. Yeah, I don't. Re- I remember the games he's talking about where they upset Virginia Tech, but oh, I they did have their number. You're yeah. right about that, absolutely. But uh, when I Googled, like Bleacher Report was the first one that came up. List of top
0: ten pit games at Heinz Field, and five of them were losses. <laughs> well the That's miami what one looking for you know the one over miami to close out the stadium that was a good one but that was just an upset That i don't think they had to come from behind for that one that was just to close out what pitt stadium yeah close no it out said pitt at State. heinz
1: field because he was talking about a heinz
0: field game. Oh, oh okay yeah, yeah to close out pitt stadium that was a big one um but the one it's not a comeback or anything but it was a pretty big game i left the was it cordova and rincon yes the, the no-hitter. 97. You didn't see Mark Smith's homer. We were there. Oh, that's a bad one. We were there. We hung out. We were there to go see the fireworks. And one of our crew, just a little inebriated, we had to get him out of there. So we watched the fireworks from the parking lot. And there was a crazy ruckus. From We're like, what is, why is this game taking so long? What is going on here? So we stayed for the fireworks, tailgating out in the lot. Had no idea what was going on inside. I guess the closest I came was saying no to an
1: opportunity to go to Chicago to see Syracuse win in the Elite Eight when they had the 16-point comeback against oh. the University of Virginia. I I didn't go. That's a big miss. That was a big miss. Yeah, <laughs> not not I think like that wasn't one where I walked out on it, but that's as like I had the chance to go and I didn't go. I didn't pull the trigger on getting playing fair and buying the tickets. I was like, all right, if they win, I'll go to the Final Four because I'm not going to be able to do both. I'm going to have to do one or the other. Which one am I going to do? I couldn't swing it with vacation time. So if they go to the Final Four, I'll go. And they did. And they lost by 16 to North Carolina. But I missed the the 18-point comeback against UVA. So that one's probably the one that sticks in my craw. That's the closest I can come to this poll that they put together
0: here. Although you're going to... Wake up at like 2.37 in the morning. Just bolt upright and go, wait a second. And you're going to remember some game. Y'all know that one,
1: that one hit me during the commercial break. I was like, yeah, that's, that's as close as I got. But the Bettis thing is pretty fair, right? Like oh, absolutely. Not, you know, not seeing Bettis, but that was because of work. That was right. actual work stuff. All right, before we get to the uh, top of the 5 o'clock hour here, I said we do this, right? So Comedy Central last night had the, ho- the roast of Bruce Willis. And there were a couple of sports-related jokes that I feel okay playing here. Okay, I'm being loosely interpretive with sports, but Dennis Rodman was on the dais. Jeff Ross went after Dennis Rodman. Uh, who was the uh, jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt was the MC, right? Right. So he's so he got a movie some,
0: once with Bruce Willis. Um, yeah, Looper. Looper the movie Looper. Like that, so right. He takes
1: a shot at Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and then moves on to Rodman here.
2: Joseph started third rock from the sun, and Dennis Rodman smoked three rocks in front oh. of his son. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Give it up for our next Secretary of State, my man, Dennis Rodman. You think Kim Jong-un is a nice guy and he thinks you're Scottie Pippen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Nikki Glaser referenced Mark's favorite sport, soccer.
0: Martha Stewart, thank you for being here. (laughs) Seriously. And congratulations on getting that Thai soccer team out of your vagina. <laughs> and into your sweatshops. That's where they are now.
1: And then, of course, Ed Norton is a friend of Bruce Willis, so he was on the dais. And. Um, is it Jeff Ross here again, too? Don Marrera. Don Marrera. Don Moreira. Who Marrera. I can't
0: believe is still out there. He was really funny. Still doing... Re- oh, yeah. He's yeah, tremendous. He, he
1: was really funny. So this isn't a sports-related one, but we, we play a little Nirvana here on 105.9 The X from time to time. We play Hole. From Hole to, once in a while, Yeah, we right? play Hole from time to time in The X, so I thought this was fitting.
0: Edward Norton, Ed, 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 you did a movie called Primal Fear. It was named after the feeling he got every time he banged Courtney Love without a condom. <laughs> It's a true story, ladies and gentlemen. Is this thing on? Is this on? Actually, he, did, he dated Courtney Love, but he never became famous enough for her to have him murdered. <laughs> of line the, of the night. The funniest thing
1: about that was Ed Norton laughing like he thought it was true. <laughs> like, you're telling me.
0: Yeah. Whoo, huh? whoo. Good thing we broke up before American History X. huh? Why do you think I did a couple of those turd movies there? <laughs> just to keep me from getting that big.
1: All right, uh, when we come back in just 30 seconds, we'll get back to the Lev Bell conversation. Lev Bell and AB, and we'll also continue talking about the uh, Deadspin fan graph and how you disappointed yourself as a fan. 5 o'clock hour with the Mark Madden Show. Mark's going to join us at 535 here on The X.